Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Thank you, Corey. Once again, welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We are glad that you are joining us this morning. Of all the places that you could have worshipped Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we are happy that you are here in our congregation this morning. I also want to extend a welcome to our radio audience. Just this last week, several people have told me we listen to your congregation, to your worship service on the radio. And we want to say welcome to them. Also, we have people that will be participating uh, through um, our sermon videos and also our podcast. We want to extend a welcome to them as well. Once you know, if you are joining us via technology this morning, as we go off the air, as the video ends, you will see how to contact us if you have a question of a spiritual nature. If you have a question about a relationship with Christ, we want to talk with you. We would love to talk with you and point you towards Jesus and towards the cross. Once again, welcome. We are continuing the Lord Teaches to Pray sermon series this morning. I want to just uh, let you know one thing. Some of you may be wondering, where's Brother Blake this morning? He is with some of his family in Knoxville, Tennessee this morning. They are celebrating the baptism of one of Blake's nieces. So keep them in your prayers as they celebrate that baptism today there in Knoxville and Pray for them for safe travels back as they travel back uh, this afternoon or this evening. Again, we're continuing the Lord Teach Us to Pray sermon series this morning. This is sermon number three of six in this series. As with every time we're in this series, we're in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And if you have your copy of God's Word with you this morning, go ahead and be turning there. And as you do that, I want to take just a moment and remind you of where we've come from from the sermon number one until where we're going to begin today. Remember, in the first sermon, the disciples had just asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus actually begins to do that. But I think it's interesting that before he actually instructs them on how to pray, he takes some time specifically and tells them how not to pray. I don't think it's an accident that he did that. Nothing that Jesus ever did was an accident. So I think we need to pay attention to that this morning too. In verse 5, Jesus tells the disciples, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. He addresses the hypocrites and he tells his disciples, don't be like them when you pray. Because see what those people were doing? They were praying for the purpose of people seeing them as they prayed. And then as we switch to verse 7, he says, by the way, I don't want you to pray like the Gentiles do either. And you might wonder why. And it's because the Gentiles were praying to be heard. So on one hand, you've got the people that want to be seen when they pray. The other side, you've got the people who want to be heard when they pray. And so right in between those two verses in verse 6, Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Now, as I've said in the other two sermons in this particular series, I want to caution you, please do not use this verse as a reason to say that Jesus does not want you to pray in public because that is not true. But anytime we look at a biblical text, anytime you look at a particular verse, context is so important. 
There was a reason that Jesus was telling these disciples to go into the room and shut the door. It was because he knew that there were people who wanted to be seen. He knew that there were people who wanted to be heard. And I believe he knew if they were in a room with the door closed, guess who is the only person that's going to see and hear them? Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the only person who matters anyway. And he tells them, go in your room and shut the door, and I will hear you. And I, this definitely has application for us today. You've heard me say many times before that most of the time during my Christian walk, the times that I have heard Jesus speak the very loudest is when I've been in my quiet place, when I've been observing my quiet time, when I'm away from the cares of the world. So I want to challenge you this morning. If you don't have a place in your house where you can go and unplug from everything, find it. Find it. It is important in your walk with Jesus. And then in the second sermon in this series, we began to examine the text where Jesus does, in fact, tell his disciples how to pray. And we looked at verse 9 last time, where Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then we spent some time talking about what are we actually saying when we say our Father? What are we saying? Because sometimes over my lifetime, I've been guilty of just saying things because I have heard people say it all my life. And I would say it without even realizing what I was asking for or what I was saying at the time. And so I spent some time last time and pointed you to the 2000 Baptist faith and message. And if you were here for that sermon or if you heard it, you will remember that I said, if you have not read that document, you need to. It is very important for Southern Baptist. It is a crucial document for Southern Baptist. And we have made it easy for you to find it. If you'll go to our website at greensburgbaptist.com, you will find an easy link to that. But read it. Know what it says. If you are a Southern Baptist, you need to know what we believe. But I want you to notice in this, they say that, God, God his Father is all-powerful. He is. Do you realize that when you pray, when you say, Our Father, you are praying to a God who is indeed all-powerful. It says he is all-knowing. And guess what? He is. He is he's indeed all-knowing. He knows every thought that's going through your mind. He's all-loving. Can we say amen to that? Aren't you thankful that even on our very worst days, God loves us. He loves us in spite of ourselves. And He is all wise. He knows everything. There are none wiser than Him. And then we address the last part of that verse last time. Hallowed be your name. And we ask, what's that even mean? What does the word hallowed mean? And then we said it means to make holy or to consider as holy. So this morning, as we do in every one of these particular sermons, we have the exact same text, Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. I'd like for you to direct your attention to the screen right now. And if you are physically able to stand, I want to invite you to stand with me. And we are going to read the Lord's Prayer together. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you may be seated. So this morning, as you may have guessed, we're going to again just look at one verse, and it's the next one. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that sounds really simple. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know how your mind works, but there's a couple things that come to mind that I think we need to address before we can even move on for this. You know, we've just said your kingdom come. So what is God's kingdom? What are we asking for? Number two, what's it mean when we pray for its arrival, when we say your kingdom come, what are we actually asking for? Or maybe a better question is, how does God's kingdom even arrive? What does that mean? We're going to talk about that today. And as you're pondering that, I want to just give you an example of something. I don't know, many of you may be familiar with a prayer that's called the serenity prayer, which simply says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Now, when you just read that at, at face value, it sounds, it sounds pretty good, actually. But I want to invite us just for a minute to look at this prayer that's called the Serenity Prayer through the lens of the Lord's Prayer. Remember, Jesus is, in, is, he is instructing us on how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. So if we look at the serenity prayer through the lens of the Lord's Prayer, we're going to see some red flags right at the beginning. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, which sort of implies if we could have changed them, we'd already done it. So why do we need God? Courage to change the things I can. That sounds like we're afraid to make the changes He's already given us the ability to make. And wisdom to know the difference. Remember last time when we talked about the Lord's Prayer, we said not once in the Lord's Prayer will you find the word I. Not once in the Lord's Prayer will you find the word me. Not once in the Lord's Prayer will we find the word my. Folks, the serenity prayer says nothing about the character of God. Now, yeah, it sounds good, but when we, when we look at this through the lens of the Lord's Prayer, we see it says nothing about the character of God. It says nothing about the plight of man. It says nothing for our need for redemption. And it says nothing about the nature of the gospel. I want to share a quote with you by Dr. Albert Moeller, which if you've been here for the other two sermons, you know I've told you that really what got me looking at the Lord's Prayer was a book that ended up in my hands that Dr. Moeller wrote called The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down. And in that book, he says in many ways, the serenity prayer is the model prayer for a post-Christian society. Now, folks, I want to be really clear on something. If you've got any doubt of if if we're living in a post-Christian society today, yes, we are. We are certainly in a post-Christian society. Now, back to our two questions. What is the kingdom of God? What is it? Well, one particular Bible scholar defines it as God's people in God's place 
under God's rule and blessing. God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. Now, we can take this all the way back to the Garden of Eden. In that particular situation, who were God's people? It was Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve. They were in God's place. Where was that? The garden. It was the Garden of Eden. And they were under God's rule and blessing. And then something entered the picture called sin that changed things forever more. We're going to talk about sin in more detail in just a moment. But I want to take this one quote, God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. And I want to fast forward today. So when we think about God's people now, who who do we think of? Us, right? All Christians on the face of the earth. That's who we usually think of when we think of God's people. God's place. What do we usually think of when we think of God's place? Now, I guess the the correct answer would really be any place where God is. But normally when we think about God's place, we're thinking about heaven and how wonderful it will be. And under God's rule and blessing, what a wonderful, wonderful place that will be. And it causes me to think of that old song, What a Day That Will Be. When my Jesus I shall see. And I'll look upon His face, the one who saves me by His grace. When He takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, a glorious day that will be. I wonder, do you ever think about the things that won't be there? Do you ever think about those things that will not be in heaven? Folks, I'm going to tell you. It seems like I spend a lot of my time in the chair of a dentist. I won't have to do that in heaven. There will be no more dentist drills in heaven. There will be no more need for Novocaine in heaven. There will be no more heart attacks. There will be no more cholesterol. There will be no more high blood pressure. There will be no more cancer in heaven. And that that should excite us. That there will be none of that stuff in heaven. But I want to tell you something that should excite us even more than that. It's something else that won't be there. And again, I want you to direct your attention to the screen behind me. I want to tell you a big thing that will not be there. Sin won't be there. Sin will not be there. In no shape, no form will sin be in heaven. And you know, perhaps it might surprise some of you if you knew some of the congregations, excuse me, conversations that that I hear. Sometimes I have people that will tell me, hey, Brother Todd, it's not hurting Anything for me to look at that woman that's not my wife. Wrong. That's completely false. If you think that you have been deceived by the enemy. Remember last time I said that one of the primary tools that Satan uses is confusion and deception. Sometimes 
I hear people say, you know, yeah, I did send that woman that wasn't my wife an inappropriate text message. But we didn't do anything, so what difference does it make? It hasn't affected me. Wrong. Wrong. It has affected you. Sometimes the conversation is, what difference does it make? If I look at pornography on my phone, if I look at pornography on my computer, what difference does it make? Let me tell you, it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. And if you are engaging in that stuff, you have been deceived by the enemy. Looking back at the screen, this three-letter word, S-I-N, that's on the screen. Notice what's right in the middle of it. I. S-I-N. I is right in the middle of it. And that is where, my friends, that you will find yourself if you try to just brush shoulders with sin. You will find yourself knee-deep in it, waist-deep, throat-deep, chin-deep, whatever you want to say. You will drown in it. It is affecting you. It is affecting you. Have no part to do with sin. And as we continue this morning, what's it mean to pray for God's kingdom to arrive? Or how? How does it arrive? And again, I want to share a quote with you from Dr. Moeller. The Bible teaches that God's kingdom only comes as God's people preach God's word, which coupled with God's spirit produces life and obedience. So when you pray for God's kingdom to come, you are praying for the men of God who stands in pulpits week after week after week, day after day after day, preaching and teaching the Word of God. And when that preached Word is coupled with God's Spirit, it produces life and obedience. So as I sort of prepare to close, we're still, I will tell you, we're still a little bit away from closing. But as we sort of try to circle in and close, I want to get right to the point. So what, what exactly are we asking when we say your kingdom come, your will be done? What exactly is it we're asking? Well, first of all, we're praying that history would be brought to a close. We're praying that history would be brought to a close. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Now, as long as we're talking about ourselves and our own sin, we are thrilled that Jesus has put it that far from each other. The east is from the west. If you are familiar with geography, there is no east pole. There is no west pole. When that is documented in the Word of God... It's on purpose. It is describing a, a, an area that cannot be measured. And that's how far He removes our transgressions from us. And we're glad about that. Amen. Amen. But what about when you hear a conversation? In 1937, that person did something to my great-grandfather and I still hate them today. This is what they did. We need history to come to a close. If they have been forgiven, they have been forgiven. Why do we harbor those feelings in our heart? It will eat you up. 
History has to come to a close. Number two, we're praying to see all nations rejoice in the glory of God. All nations. First Chronicles 16.31 says, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Are we proclaiming that Monday through Saturday? Are we proclaiming that in our conversations that the Lord reigns? Are we excited? Are we glad in our daily life? Number three, we're praying to see Christ honored as King in every human heart. Remember last time I said, I am convinced we're not going to see revival until we get to the point where we are equally as burdened with the eternal destination of strangers as we are our closest family members. How much time are we praying, spending praying for strangers? How much sleep are we losing praying for strangers? 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ as Lord, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. We are praying to see Satan bound, evil vanquished, and death no more. What a day that will be. What a day that will be. You know, there are days that I feel like I spend my entire day trying to work through a situation that the enemy has caused. There are days that I feel like my head is basically crushed down in the ground. But what gives me some peace in that moment is Revelation 20.10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Folks, what the enemy is doing on this earth is temporary. But heaven is eternal. And the enemy will not be in heaven. I wonder, will you be there? Will you be in heaven? We're also praying that evil will be vanquished. Romans sixteen twenty, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And we're praying for that day when death will be no more. He will wipe every tear, not just some tears, not just tears from a few select people. He will wipe away the tears completely out of the eyes of every Christian. And guess what? Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We are praying to see the mercy of God demonstrated in the full justification and acquittal of sinners through the shed blood of the crucified and resurrected Christ. Romans 5 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We are praying to see the wrath of God poured out upon sin. And you know, perhaps 
when you hear that, you think, Amen. I will be glad when God pours His wrath out upon sin. Will we really be? Because remember, it includes the sin that's in our life too. Do you realize that He's going to pour out His wrath on any sin that's in our life too? Hebrews 10.31 says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And we're praying to see every knee bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, that day is coming. Do you realize that the day is coming where you will stand before Jesus face to face? You will. And you're going to hear one of two things on that day. You're going to hear him say, either enter in my good and faithful servant. Or the other thing that you might possibly hear is depart from me, I never knew you. It will be one of those two things. I wonder which one will it be for you? What would it be in your life if you stood face to face before Jesus right this moment? Because that's how soon it will happen, folks. That is how soon it will happen. Philippians 2, verses 10 through 11. So that, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And finally, one more. We are praying to see a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, and a new earth, a new creation. Revelation 21.1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So now when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we can say we're asking for a lot. We are truly asking for a lot. Are we at the point where we want to pray your kingdom come, your will be done? Because many, many times society will bang into you. They will beat into you and want you to think it's all about you. It's all about you being happy. That's not the case. It's all about you being holy. That's what it's about. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as we prepare for invitation this morning, I wonder, I want to ask you a, a, a legitimate question this morning. What if you were standing face to face with Jesus Christ right now? Are you ready? Because in that moment that you stand before him face to face, it is too late to do anything about your eternal destination in that moment. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Folks, if you're here today and you cannot say with certainty... That Jesus is going to say to you, enter in, my good and faithful servant. You need to take care of that today, right now. Don't wait till you get home. You might not get home. You might not. Maybe you're here this morning and you have, you've just never come to the point where you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
I want to tell you, it, it truly is as easy to make that decision as we tell kids in Bible school that it is. It's the ABCs of Christianity. Now, I want to be very clear. It's not nearly as easy after the fact to follow Him day after day after day as it is to accept Him as Lord and Savior. But it's as easy as the ABCs. A, you've got to admit that you're a sinner, that there are things in your life that have separated you from Jesus. And remember, those things we talked about are sin. Sin will separate you from Jesus. I wonder this morning, is there sin in your life? Maybe there's Christians here this morning and you know you are intentionally living with sin in your life. Don't walk out of this place today in the same condition that you walked in. You have an opportunity to lay that at the feet of Jesus. And guess what? He will forgive you if you ask Him to. And then the B is you've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son. That He loved you so much that He went to that cross and He died for you. He was buried and He rose again the third day. And He is living today. And then the C is you've got to confess. You've got to confess and repent of your sins. And you have got to turn and walk differently than you did prior to your salvation. Folks, salvation is meant to be a transformation that is continual. If people have to ask whether whether or not I'm a Christian, something is wrong. Something is wrong. We should live differently from the world. I wonder this morning, do we? I wonder this morning if you need to make a decision. Folks, I want to tell you, today's the day. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for the day that you've given us. Lord, your word tells us that you made this day, that it is good, and that we should rejoice and be glad. Father, I thank you just for the very fact of knowing that your word is true. Father, I thank you for your word. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray that that will truly be the desire of every heart in this building. Your will, not my will. I pray that that is truly the cry of our heart. Father, I pray especially for the people that are in our congregation right now that are not Christians. Father, I pray that they will feel your conviction. Lord, I pray that they would know how it will be to stand before you and hear those dreadful words, depart from me, I never knew you. Father, I pray especially for people who are listening on the radio right now that that may not have a relationship with you. For the people that are listening through podcasts and through sermon videos, Father, I pray that your convicting power will fall on hearts and lives. And I pray that people will cry out, what must I do to be saved? Father, whatever the decision is, I pray that people will bring their burden to you and lay it at the foot of the cross. And I pray that they will leave changed. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.